Hello and welcome to a new podcast that I'm making about my love for films and television. Uh, hopefully, every week or every so often I'll be getting guests on. This week, I've got my good friend Ed. Hello. And today, we're going to be talking about our top five Marvel films. This can be any Marvel film. It can be from Fox, Universal, Sony, anywhere. Anything that has a Marvel logo on it. Uh, so... Ed, what's, before we go into the top five, what's the one thing you love about Marvel films? So, along the line, so like your X-Men films, everybody loved them. Like most people, even who didn't like comic books, liked X-Men films. That kind of thing. Yeah. All right. So for me, growing up with comic books and a lot of the TV shows, it was a real. It's a realization on the big screen of things I've been wanting, um, of stories I've been wanting. Uh, Winter Soldier is one. the The story for that originally is so good. I'm a massive fan, as you know, of like the Jason Bourne films of. James Bonds and things like that so for me that realisation that comic books are in the wider audience that they're not just for kids as a lot of people think that they actually deal with very interesting serious topics Um, right so for your top 5 then what is your top 5 starting at number 5 we'll go through them one by one and Tell me why it's on your top five. So, your number five. My number five All right. And I just think it's a, it's a introduction to a, an anti-hero sort of thing. Because we've never seen something like that in the cinema before. Like every single screen, we've never seen anything like that. It just became like funny and scary and comedic. Um, Yeah, Eddie Brock's one of those characters, isn't he? That is is an interesting one. That because he was almost anti Peter Parker. Yeah, you want that in the person as well on screen. I think Tom Hardy does do a good job at that. Um, he certainly takes it from a whole different perspective. Um, I think it helps that he's done so many biopics as well. Yeah, um, that he can engage with a character in a different way and look at him as a person not just someone off a comic book and I think that definitely changed the dynamic of the film um, and the way he approached it compared to a normal comic book film alright so that's your fifth one okay what is your fourth one Logan Logan's always going to be in my top five just because it was growing up I've watched Wolverine I've watched X-Men I've watched all of them and seeing him grow from being the, the baby faced Wolverine that he is with his big spiky hair and everything to then seeing him 
be the old guy that no one ever saw coming, seeing that not all superheroes can like live forever and not yeah, not everyone has the the way that they want it to be and mm. someone has to die eventually. Yeah. I think that's a very good point because he was always brought across, especially in the early ones, of someone who couldn't die. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite comic book runs was Old Man Logan when he died. Got it. Over there. On my pile. And it's... It's one of those moments. It's a very surreal moment. I think the best thing for it was he had the adamantium, obviously, putting him on it. And then over the, the course of the film generations, it slowly showed him not wanting that anymore to yeah. just having the bones back. Yeah. Which I thought was like the, the icing on the cake a bit. Yeah, so despite what people think of those Wolverine films, they do tell a story of someone who didn't want to be who he was. And wanted, especially when you look back at Wolverine Origins, it was all about being a normal person. So I think you're right in that the Logan film itself deals with that in a very human way. And I think that's something a lot of comic book films have, especially over recent times, have learned to do. I like that. Okay. Number three. <laughs> this one's a very divided film with a lot of people, but I would have to say The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Okay. Interesting pick. Um, yeah, it was quite busy a majority of the time. It was There was too much going on for certain aspects of it but I think for the the whole of it it was Andrew Garfield like at the best that he could possibly be in his yeah. relationship with Gwen falling to pieces and then from what happened in the first film with his with Gwen's father saying please leave her out of it to then them falling back in love with each other to then obviously the heartbreak at the end that yeah. was obviously Gwen's death and it was showed as well that heroes are vulnerable to losing someone. Yeah. And with Spider-Man being who he is, everyone thinks he could save everybody. Because in the first one, he saved that kid from burning in the car or falling in the car into the water. Yeah. And it just shows that he tries his hardest to look after the people he loves, but in this one, he unfortunately failed. Yeah. No, yeah, it's... I do enjoy that film. I think... And I know I've said this to you previously, but two thirds of that film were brilliant. The last third is where it loses it for me personally. But the the relationships that carry on from that first film are key. The like you say, superhero films don't do a good enough job sometimes of that whole thing. If you can lose someone you love, they don't necessarily approach it in a way like that. everything's invincible it's also like they they showed it within Gwen and and Peter at the same time but they also showed it between Peter and Harry yeah because he was so in awe of seeing Harry again after so long that he saw his friend who needed help go from being this friendly guy to well ultimately turning himself into the Green Goblin yeah yeah and losing another friend to what people are seeing him as as a hero what do you think going a bit deeper into it what do you think that was trying to say on a on a level to people watching 
you think there was something behind that that they thought needed to be told or do you think it was literally just them going well Spider-Man's the bad guy not really I think it was more of like a, a mental struggle for Harry to be honest yeah showing that people can be quite vulnerable yeah um, and sometimes that they can't always get the help that they need mm. I definitely think it was along those lines I think as a film it definitely approaches it from a a very comic book standpoint because I think as well Electro was very unstable mentally because he was so in love with Spider-Man yeah and then when the accident of him getting zapped by all the electric eels in the in the um, Oscorp lab yeah. happened he turned into his worst enemy yeah. yeah because he was still so obsessed with Spider-Man yeah that's it he was obsessive and he was bullied and it was one of those that it's a very interesting film is that in that respect if you actually break it down like like you say it's there's a lot going on in it that I think people forget and don't see because they see the bad bits of action and they don't see why it is actually a good film um and I think people, that's one of those things we've said. You know, we've spoke about a lot, and I've said just about Winter Soldier, is it, he's dealing with topics that comic books have always dealt with and getting rid of that stigma of it being a kid's Because thing. it's very much like, before we move on to the next one, but it's very much like, at the end, Peter Parker's lost, he's, he's not himself, and then yeah. that little kid stands up to the rhino at the end. And then before you know it, Peter Parker's back. Yeah. Because he realises he's got a job to do. Yeah. Not necessarily save everybody, but he knows he's got a job to be that picture of New York. Yeah. Yeah, he is New York. Yeah. Yeah. And he sees that as his his mission. And, you know, he might lose people, but if he can stop other people being in the same situation, he's doing his job right. Cool. Uh, right, second one then. This one was quite a hard choice. Because, well, all of them have been quite hard, to be honest, because they're, they're so, all the films are so different, but this one's got to be, I think, Iron Man, the very first one, because that is the MCU. It's the starting point to it all. It is Tony Stark at his best of when we first knew him as the playboy for Pin Philanthropist, as he says in one of the films. Yeah. That is the one that ultimately kids looked up to and saw, I want to be like him. Yeah. Or I want something that's going to be brought out in stores, like a, a glove that lights up, just so I can say, look, I'm Iron Man. Yeah. And I think the story of it as well was power can get to a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, corruption. Yeah, it can ruin a lot of things. Um, and it also proves that Iron Man had his want to get out of the prison that he was in and unfortunately he had to lose one of his friends in the process as well yeah. who helped him get restored back to where he was yeah I think it's it's such a good film as you know it was close to being on my five um, bit of a spoiler there because it's not but it is one of my favourite films 100% if it was a top 10 it'd be there I think everything about it is almost the perfect origin story 
the fact that you went from him being in the cave doing everything Iron Man wise you know he's this playboy you know he's that kind of person from the beginning of the film but then when you get to the point where he needs to do something he shows what his mental strength is to get through that situation any way he can and I think on the point of what you were saying about the corruption side of it is it's you never know truly sometimes who's got your back and you sometimes the person closest to you is the one that hurts you the most which is an odd topic to do in the first film of an MCU but when you look back at the whole MCU it makes perfect sense leading into your Civil Wars and your Avengers Endgame yeah all everything was was Tony felt betrayed by everybody that's all he felt so to get to the point from Iron Man to Endgame Iron Man had to be the way it was it's such a good film everything about it is so good I love it right your final pick for your top five so this one rest Just there's just something about that film, whether it was just the actual action in it, the the story behind it that just it just hits you because it's the first Marvel film where they actually took the plunge and did an all black cast, obviously apart from Martin Freeman as the agent, but it was that one that they were thinking, right, we're gonna push boundaries now and do this. And then Michael Jordan as Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Was probably with one of the strongest villains that they've done. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, and just the whole, like, the whole story behind Black Panther itself, like they didn't brush it. They didn't just say, right, look, this is Black Panther. They actually gave you the whole origin behind what it was and what it means yeah. to be Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah, they, made a, they did a, a really good thing of halfway through it, you already knew who was Black Panther going in. So then they told you why he's the Black Panther. And I enjoyed that. Um, Like you say, I think the biggest thing for it, and I don't think... I don't think we'll ever understand as much as it can be, but that fully black cast and how that affected not just one community, but the whole world. I don't think you can ever really understate how much that affects the film industry as well not many people had ever done that before and really taken that offensive the offensive push to go we'll just do an all black film it was brilliant truly brilliant and I'm glad they did it but it's one of those like you say just that took some nerve to do especially for a Disney property that took some nerve and all credit to him for that anything else you want to say on your five for now well, I'm alright for now yeah <laughs> right then moving on to your top five now my top five so my fifth one is Spider-Verse of course 
simply, it is the most Spider-Man film there's ever been. No matter whether you like the animated stuff from the 90s, whether it's the 90s stuff, whether it's the uh, Tobey Maguire, whether it's the Andrew Garfield, they take all of that and all of their learning from those films and even technically use one of the characters from those films and they really push the boundaries on Miles Morales and someone who doesn't fit where he is Mm. so they bring people who also don't fit from where they are or don't fit in the region they get brought to well, it's, it's it's kind of going into the direction that the Marvel universe is going at the moment, mm. into the into the next like the next Marvel universe, obviously all the multiverse, the wider, yeah, 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 yeah. It was that first foray into the actual multiverse of what they can do in a film. Yeah, and I think, like you say, I think a lot of the, the newer Marvel films coming up, you've got you've Doctor Strange, you've had WandaVision, Loki, everything's building to that. And I think Sony kind of beat them to the punch on it. Yeah. Um, but the characters are so good in it. The music's brilliant. The art style in it is just so different to anything. Oh, yeah. Well, that's why I won so many awards. Yeah. But it's just, there's something about it that just connects with you. And I really love that. Um, so, my number four. It's a very different one. Just before we continue, it's a very <laughs> different number four. You wouldn't expect it. Yeah, maybe not. But it depends where you are in your Marvel films. Because my number four is Blade. Now, this is a film that came out when Marvel films didn't really do much. It was along those times of when X-Men came out and the first Spider-Man. And they were all very separate. He's also the first black superhero. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people forget. He's very forgotten. But there's something about him. The whole story of Blade is so entrenched in mystique. No pun intended in Marvel Universe. But. He's got a mum who was bitten by a vampire, and it's all a bit weird. And if you and if you take it out of context and tell someone that's a story, that yeah, it's this guy whose mum was bitten by a vampire and he got born and he was a bit of both. And you're just like that's just stupid. It shouldn't work. Mm. But for some reason, Marvel make it work. Now, for me, Wesley Snipes' Blade made it work. He's a guy who has been in countless action films. You know him as a bit of a badass. But he's funny as well. And I think having that bit of levity as well as the awesome swordsmanship and the martial arts that he does gave it something and a Marvel property, something that we've not really had before and rarely had since. No one's really pushed the boat out like that. And it's one of the rare cases that a Marvel film was in 18. Yeah. At least when it first came out, it was. Um, I'm not sure what it is now. Probably been moved down to a 15 at this point. But 
they took a chance. And you're not seeing that now. Even the Deadpool stuff, you look at what that class is as an 18. I mean, it's not. It's R-rated in America. But it's a 15 of it. And it doesn't push the boundaries as much as you think it does. But Blade was the one that really went up there. Like, the, the initial scene of the bloodbath. Like, that's mad. To even think a Marvel property would do that. Yeah. That's crazy now. But they really pushed the ball out. So, my number three. We were kind of both in agreement for this one. We, I would have had it on my list, but I just had other films that <laughs> took So, obviously, I said I didn't have Iron Man on my list. Now, I might get flack for this one because I know it's not a very loved film. But Iron Man 3 is on my list at number three. Now, I love this film. I think it's the film that really started the change for Tony Stark as a character who's dealing with his PTSD from Avengers. And I don't think any of the other characters really had that. No. He really had to deal with it in some shocking ways that he even couldn't talk to a kid about it. And he had to, you know... Well, he had to stop his suit from harming Pepper. Yeah. When he was having a nightmare. Exactly. And it's things you don't think about the superheroes going through. You never see superheroes dealing with the after effects. You saw it a little bit in Endgame, where they deal with uh, Steve and Natasha talking about it. But they don't ever really delve into it. And this was one of those few films in the MCU that truly dealt with a subject. And especially in a current time where it was a man's mental health. And I know we'll both speak to this as blokes, but it doesn't get spoken enough about. No, absolutely not. And it was one of those instances that as someone who has dealt with mental health issues through things, it's it just like how can they show that like and everyone ignores it so Marvel went the other way and just went here you go the biggest superhero you can find deal with mental health issues and I think the film itself gets lost because of the Mandarin stuff I think comic book fans hate on that for no apparent reason it made sense with the story to me because I know the extremist storyline mm. so it kind of made sense um, but it also I think it didn't tie a lot of things in with the Mandarin so I can see why people don't like it but again there's more to it than that the, the film is a lot deeper than I think people want to realise I, therefore it's so it's just so good number two on my list I think a lot of people have expecting a Marvel film is Captain America Winter Soldier so I'm not a fan of the first Avenger I think Captain America or Steve Rogers at that point is actually extremely selfish 
through that whole film. He's doing things to make him happy. He then starts to realise, obviously, when he gets to the point of trying to, you know, killing himself to save the world and all that jazz, he realises that it's not all about him. So I'm not a huge fan of that film. When you get to The Winter Soldier, it deals with the perspective of him realising it's not all about him. Well, they just throw a massive obstacle in the way, don't they? With it they being do. But I think that helps shock the character yeah. into the world that they want him. Is that a similar way to Iron Man 3 in a way? That it's not just him playing cool. It's not just him doing what he does and he's unbeatable. It gives him something that isn't beatable. And that's his best friend. Because he's not going to beat because he can't. Not because he physically can't, but because it's his best friend. Yeah. Now, tie that in with, like I was saying earlier, the fact I love James Bond films. I love Jason Bourne films. I love those espionage things. This fits in that category perfectly. Uh, you've got George St. Pierre in there as Batrock. Mm. And seeing the legitimacy of Captain America fighting someone like that at someone at that level it gives him the legitimacy of being a bit of a badass in a fight now not sure where he learnt all the martial arts but in the eyes in the eyes he learnt all these martial arts and suddenly could do them but you gloss over that because it's such a great story of again the, the beginning of Hydra and how that overtook you know and it and it gave us one of the biggest memes of all time the uh, elevator scene of course it did yeah <laughs> I just had to remember what it talking about <laughs> which then gave me possibly my biggest squeal of Endgame was when he said Hail Hydra and without all that we wouldn't have had that which is brilliant um and the other person I love in that film was Brock Rumler. Yeah. Um, Frank Grillo does a brilliant performance of, of Crossbones. And I think he... He should have been given more. But there we go. I love that film. And my number one. Now... People are already probably surprised that you don't have Endgame on as the biggest Marvel film because I think most people have that up there these days. Yeah. I also don't have Endgame on. I actually have Infinity War. So, I don't know about you, but I think it's a better film. I think the cinematography's better, the music's better, and realistically, at Endgame, Bar Tony dying, we kind of knew who, how it was going to end. In I think f- that was what Infinity War was, was why it was so good because of the fact of when we watched it for the very first time, everyone was like, where the hell is this going now? Because we just had about a thousand spanners just thrown in the works. Yeah. 
you open that film with Loki dying. And you see all these superheroes that we've come to love who have in previous films been unstoppable be stopped by this one titan. Yeah. Just by the click of his fingers. Yeah. And it's just there's something about it. As a film, like you say, the first time we see it. And I don't think you can underestimate how important it was that we didn't know what was happening. Most people have an idea of what's going to happen in a comic film. Most things get leaked that what's going to happen in a comic film. No one had a clue what was going to happen in that film. I just remember watching it for the very first time and thinking, what? <laughs> just sat there at the end going, they, surely they've not just killed Spider-Man. Surely they've not just killed all of the Guardians, pretty much, by Nebula. Yeah. And then you're thinking, they've just killed Black Panther. What? what? All, all these people that spent full films introducing, yeah. they then killed. And that... That takes balls. And a lot of people were upset. I don't know if you remember when it first came out, but he got backlash for it. Oh, yeah. Because people were like, what the hell? You've introduced all these characters, and I love these characters, so you've killed them. Exactly. It was also a very key film for Iron Man. Yes. It showed you, kind of, if you'd never seen... Obviously, we never knew about Endgame, and we thought that that was it. It showed you what sort of power and like the trouble that the power that Tony Stark had could get across different universes because Thanos yeah. knew all about Tony Stark yeah and it, and it kind of took Tony by surprise when he said Tony Stark and everything like when they were fighting and he was yeah. like you know me and he was like yeah and it took him by surprise because of the fact of wow I'm really that big yeah, and it was also like showing when he lost everyone on Titan. What have I done? Yeah, it's like we were saying earlier. One is that he's final. He he started learning that his actions had consequences. Very much like yours in Amazing Spider-Man Two. Is it was the fact he had things to lose, and he realised he had things to lose. You know, he went up there without a moment's hesitation. And I think the the biggest thing about it was that Doctor Strange had a very big impact of when he was being asked how many times they lost. Yeah. Compared to how many times they won. Yes. And I think as soon as everybody got the picture in the head of that there was one massive chance that they were going to win, everyone in their head, that was when all the theories started coming out. Yeah. Thinking, well, what the hell is going to happen next then which is crazy isn't it that the only way they could win was to lose yeah and that's a genius it's brilliant and it sent everyone in such a spin about Endgame that I think Endgame Endgame gets a hype because of the portal scene and don't get me wrong I love that scene as you know we were there we were there watching it for that first time (laughs) I think Endgame this and 
oh what is it going to be but but hang on a minute we're we're in there now and then they just dropped it on them like that and called it a game yeah and we were like oh my god they... and now now every single time you hear it when Doctor Strange says we're in the end game now you're like <laughs> yeah. None of us knew because we were just thinking, yeah. where's it going to go next? Yeah. It was, a, it was a title that suddenly made sense. And it was not... probably the best five hours, six hours of my life. Sat in the oh, cinema. Yeah. Rewatching Infinity War, knowing exactly what happened to them rewatch. Well, to them watching the game at midnight. That was a good night. And then to be sat really? in the morning thinking, well. My childhood is over. <laughs> I've never seen so many people cry at no. three o'clock in the morning. No. Which was crazy. But I think that was the thing. Is we did the double feature of the IMAX. And the fact we got to watch Infinity War first made Endgame hit that much harder. Because you heard it even in the people in who were in there. Is that they just didn't know what was going to happen. Everyone, when they had filmed, we had 20 minutes between films. And everyone was theorising of what could happen. Because Infinity War finished on such a point that it was so good and so well-rounded that it was like, what the hell's going to happen? Yeah. And then when, in in, in Endgame, when they went and killed Thanos, everyone kind of just sat there and went, oh, oh, yeah, we weren't expecting that. We've we've got a three-hour, three-hour and three. 15 minutes yeah they were like well, why didn't they just do that to start with yeah instead of losing everybody <laughs> so for me Infinity Wars number one because it it just set up what needed to be done but it was just such a more well-rounded film for me right so I know we've spoke about this and we've had a laugh about it before recording this is there anything on my list Let's do it this way. My list that you would want on yours. If you were to add a number six. Winter Soldier, without a doubt. Easy as that. I think for me, for me, it would probably be Logan. From your list. Um, Because I don't have an X-Men. I don't have an X-Men film on there. And as you know... I was toying with that quite a bit because some of the X-Men films are really good um, okay right so let's add this one now what's your least favourite film that Marvel has produced oh, of everything Marvel have produced that's a tough one I would probably say Spider-Man 3 why is that I don't think they did Venom Justice I think, yeah, I can agree with you on that one. But I think in in the whole, I think the film itself was quite good. It was just the Venom side of it, I think, yeah. was let down. I yeah. think the whole Sandman story was good. Yep, Sandman because, was really good. Because they didn't rush his origin. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I just think the initial Peter and MJ story was quite good as well. Yeah. And it also showed the consequences of Harry finding out Peter was the one that killed his dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I do agree with you on the whole that they didn't do Venom justice. 
I don't think, as you know, I don't. I like the Venom film, but I still don't think. I'll be careful with this, depending if people have seen Venom two or not. I don't think they've done Venom justice to go into the MCU. I don't think. With Spider-Man being able to go to space and the Fantastic Four coming into it, I think a more realistic version would have been better. So them getting him from space and him being more evil. In the first one, he is built up to be a hero despite wanting to eat people. So how does that play in into a wider world? I think the way they did it in Spider-Man 3 well he was just straight off evil from, from the get go it was straight off evil so he was more Venom but Eddie Brock as Venom was terrible they copied scenes from the comic books and tried to be faithful to it but still somehow missed the mark for me and I can't really explain it any more than that I think the only other thing that comes near to that would be X-Men Last Stand. Yeah. Again, he just missed the mark. I think for me it has to be Fantastic Four. Which one? The original. Okay. Just because I'm in I'm I'm in the very mixed crowd of the new one because I quite liked the new one. Right. As awful as it it kind of was, it was one of those films that I could quite happily watch and enjoy. Yeah. But again, it wasn't done to a justice. Yeah. But I think the first original one, I just think it was too... I think at the time that was what Marvel was, but it was too jokey and too... Yeah. ...to be a Marvel film. <laughs> because I think they did it justice in Silver Surfer. Because yes. they, they made it a bit darker in Silver Surfer. Yeah, the second one is actually really... It's a good film. Yeah. It's a really good film. And Laurie Fishburne is Silver Surfer and Norman Rad is so good. Um, I don't mind the first one. But I think for the first one, it's the origin story part of it that's really good. When you get to the Doctor Doom stuff, it becomes a bit hokey. And I think that's where it falls down that's where the MCU needs to really pick its game up is with Doctor Doom because Doctor Doom should be the next big bad guy we've got Kang we know that he's the big bad then it should be Doctor Doom because in the comic books he's had the Infinity Gauntlet. like he was the strongest being he I has think we're getting power. we're getting the tease of Mephisto as well a little bit whether they'll actually pull the plug on Mephisto, I'm not sure. Because I don't see him as a big bad. I think he's... I think their next... I think personally, I think their next focus is going to be Kang. Just because they're messing with the time. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yeah. We've already had him in Loki. We know he's in Ant-Man Quantumania. We'll see where that takes us. He has to be the big bad guy in the next one. Um, but I think then, for me, it has to be Doctor Doom. Um, where they go from there who knows because that realistically that could be another 20 years down the line <laughs> which is crazy to think about yeah 
but it, it could be another 23, 40 movies down the line that they do that. Bringing Fantastic Four in at the end of whenever. They haven't really announced anything. But. Right then. Anything you want to add? I think Spider Man Far From Home is going to be on within my top 10. Okay. So let's finish off then by finishing off as top 10. So obviously, I said Iron Man. So I'll add that in at number 7, and you say Spider Man Far From Home. Yeah. Any reason? I just think Spider-Man Far From Home was the first one that we'd seen. Yeah. We saw him at his lowest. We saw Spider-Man being vulnerable to someone else coming in as a father being Mysterio. Yeah. And he was playing on that when he was doing all of his illusions. Yes. Saying that had Peter done something different, Tony would still be with them. And I think it really, it really got to the point where it showed you, very much like Iron Man three, what someone who is a lot younger than Tony Stark had to go through, and he was trying to protect his friends while also trying to protect his his own mentality as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, I put Iron Man much I said earlier. I've also added, which you can probably see, is both the Spider-Man ones from the MCU. I think the villains themselves are brilliant. I love Mysterio as a villain, so for me, it had to be on there. And I love Vulture. Michael Keaton is so good in that film. The twist in that film is superb. You never see... You literally don't see it coming. I think it's the best realisation of a Spider-Man we've ever had bar Miles Morales Peter Parker side of it could do a little bit of work I think I think Tom Holland was the perfect Parker mm. because of the fact he was a kid yeah and he was that little nerdy nerdy had yeah, that little geek side to him. With obviously with Ned, yeah, him and Ned were like you would never put Spider-Man with one of those. No. Whether you think it was Ned or whether you thought it was Peter, you never would have put it together because of the fact of. But they're just two kids in school. Yeah, when I think that was what everybody wanted in Spider-Man. Yeah, they because wanted Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire was brilliant because again, it was down that factor of he wasn't the best-looking guy on the planet. And Spider-Man, obviously, as we know in the comics, was a bit geeky and a bit nerdy. Yeah. And he wasn't, again, he wasn't what people go for, which is then where they kind of toned it down a bit with Andrew Garfield because talking from a, a, a like a, a perspective, Andrew Garfield was what you would identify the females to go for. Yeah. Because he looked the part, he was yeah. muscular. Well, he was muscular to the point of it. Yeah, and he was—he had that charm about him. And then they brought Tom Holland in, and it was kind of just back to square one with yeah. being a school kid. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think my number eight would have to be Ragnarok. Nice. I love that film. 
partly just because it's Thor and Loki at their brother like as brothers at the best. Yeah. It's Thor being at a loss without Milnia. Yeah. Because he's like, oh my word, my sister's just come along here and just taken everything from me. Yeah. And then of course, Korg. Korg is that film. You <laughs> cannot take that away from him. And Thunderstruck. I mean, everything about that film is really good. I think if I had the choice to change my top five, Ragnarok would be somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. If I really thought on it and I wanted to change something, Ragnarok would be up there because it just... That was that was the redemption from Thor The Dark World, as I because everybody yeah. was one of those, oh, Thor The Dark World is rubbish. And I think Ragnarok did itself the justice it needed. Yeah. To save I mean... Thor. Any and I'll be on, I'll be on board with it, because any film that has Led Zeppelin in is a winner. Any film that has a fight that starts with the immigrant song about Thor and Ragnarok, and that whole scene of him coming down in the lightning, is just so perfect. Everything about that is perfect. And it's such a good film. My only reason that's not in my top 10 is I'm not a huge fan of the humour side of it. Some of this humour for Thor is a little bit on the nose. And I love the Thor character. But I think it just... It goes to Guardians. Mm. I like Thor. And I've put him you'll see on my list I've put Thor at number 10 the original one because the comedy I like from Thor is the fact that he's not from Earth and it's funny because it's not normal to us so him then having human characteristics and that human sarcasm doesn't necessarily sit with me every time I watch it and maybe I miss it and I miss the point of it, but it just... When you've got a character like Korg, who's very sarcastic, why does Thor need to be sarcastic as well? It just takes away a little bit from me, and I love the Thor character, like I say, and I love that film, but it's just the one bit of it, I'm just like, it just knocks it down a bit for me. Yeah. But that's me. That's... I think number nine for me is volume two, Guardians of Galaxy. Okay, yeah. Partly because you see the Guardians at their weakest. You see them hurt. You see the pain that one of them, particularly, i.e. B. Peter, has gone through. Yeah. You see Quill thinking, oh God, my dad's come back into life and he's best thing that's happening now. Yeah. To his dad admitting that he put the tumour in his mum's head. Yes. And it just, and even Rocket as well, who is constantly nagging for that to be better than everybody else. And then obviously you see it in the film when Peter says, Do you ever not screw up? Or do you always do something to make people hate you? Yeah. And it just shows you that family that they've got, but how easily it can just be torn apart. Yes. From each other. Yeah. And I just think that's, it's just something about that showing you. I think Guardians of the Galaxy in general 
are the group of people that show the most like the, the the story of what they've had to go through to be where they are and it shows the most like downfall in characters yeah I like, can agree with that Drax is so hellbent on revenge yeah and Quill is so well he's, he's an orphan because he doesn't know his dad and he, he obviously <laughs> his mum died um, and then Rocket was a lab a lab test that yeah he was so afraid of being operated on and worked on and then you just get Groot that's Groot who doesn't know what to do half the time. Yeah. No, I can agree with that. Right, so... all you've got to say on that one, or...? Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your number 10? What's your last one, then? The last thing you can put on this list. Number 10. sure you know I'm trying to to think of ones that I would <laughs> there's a lot of films and that's the tricky bit with the Marvel one isn't it yeah so I know it took us forever to get our five you know we've been talking forever now but we'd been talking at least two two three hours before this about our five and trying to even put it together I think number 10 just because I personally have seen it and I'm not going to speak much on it but Venom 2 okay yeah yeah we're still in an awkward point with that one aren't we so. yeah partly as well because if anybody does listen and they've not seen it I don't really want to go too much into it <laughs> um, but yeah there's just something about that film that really puts life in general into perspective okay of what without giving too much away like what your own mind can do to the people that you love yeah yeah and that's as far as I will go <laughs> that's fair enough yeah we don't want to give too much away but it's, it's barely been out in the UK for how long two weeks yes yeah, so not long at all alright so we've had a good real good conversation about this Marvel going forward and the last thing we'll say is what is the one film you're looking forward to seeing that is currently slated um, you can throw Eternals in there because it hasn't come out over here yet I don't even think it's out in America yet mm, yeah is it out now yeah okay I've got two, well I've got I think if I'm going to say I've got two yeah one of them is Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness yeah partly because WandaVision yeah brought that into light and I just think Wanda is probably one of the strongest characters at the moment in the MCU yeah, yeah. she had such a I mean Falcon and Winter Soldier that was absolutely good as well because you've seen Wanda in itself has lost so much and she has so much power to deal yeah I think I I loved obviously all of them and you know how much I loved uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier but I have yeah. to agree with you because we knew what we were getting with Falcon and Winter Soldier we knew what they're about Wanda had never had that point of really pushing on as a character well Wanda we saw that as a very like a sitcom sort of thing but then they proper kicked it off with yeah 
this is a world that has actually spoiler alert has been created by someone yeah from the pain that she's had to go through yeah yeah and I just thought I think that's why I'm looking forward to Doctor Strange because I'm more to be fair looking forward to seeing Wanda back in action yeah yeah. And to see what actually happens, but obviously the the big obvious one is No Way Home. Yeah, that's my one. I think that's gonna always be the biggest one so far. Yeah, just because of all the rumors that are coming from it. Yeah, and then you also keep thinking, where is it gonna go from here? Yeah, exactly. It's, that makes it tricky. Um, but what can you do? You know, you've just gotta crack on with it. I, I that's my film um, I'm hesitant over that film well yeah we were saying this earlier weren't we that we, yeah. we, we, we don't want it to disappoint because of the fact that there are so many people hyping it up and bringing out all these theories that it will then disappoint if theories aren't there yeah but we also agreed on the point that it, pro- it might end Spider-Man's trilogy but I don't think it'll end that story no. Because Spider-Man is meant to be in Doctor Strange. So I think it, what it's going to do is open a whole wider world to Spider-Man, which could be really cool. But I just hope it doesn't disappoint. The fact they've spoiled two of the big surprises in the trailers, as much as that hyped me up and I got giddy as anything over it, also made me sit back and go, oh okay so we're actually doing this what else is in this film now yeah how yeah, far can we push you, it it's whether you now want to believe the the rumours of whether Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to be in it exactly I mean part of me obviously I would really like to see Andrew Garfield suited up again just yeah. because it was absolutely brilliant um, being partial I'm not the hugest fan of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, but I would like to see him back on the screen. Yeah. But I'm also very worried, and I've seen this quite a lot as well, I'm very worried about Ned. Partly because in every single film in the Spider-Man life, Harry Osborn or Peter Parker's best friend Mm -hmm. has always been consumed by evil. Yes, and I'm worried that Ned is going to have something to play in something down the line of it I, as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they're going off the comics because spoiler for anyone who's not read a comic book in 30 years Ned becomes a hobgoblin and there were rumours of that like everything with this film I think it's everything under the sun's been rumoured for it Half of the suits has been spoiled. Well, you just look at the pop vinyls that are coming out. Yeah. You know yeah. that you know that there's going to be a suit that Peter's going to wear that he's going to be able to play with the Mystic Art. Yeah. So this is why I'm a bit hesitant about it. As much as I really want to see it and I want it to do well, and obviously I love the Spider-Man films, I'm worried because if it doesn't deliver what it's expected to deliver it is going to get so much backlash I just hope it does Peter's journey justice that him moving on from Tony being his mentor to then 
and we saw it in the trailer is he's then trusting Doctor Strange and it's because then there's all that massive rumour of is it actually Doctor Strange yeah so is he then finally gonna stand on his own two feet as a superhero and not rely on the older people to get him through it Mm. that's what I'm hoping whether we'll see that or not yet I don't know um there we go. I don't think I've got anything else. No, I don't either. Thank well, you for listening, everybody. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Ed, for joining me no, on this. Thank you for having me. It's been good fun, and we like talking movies anyway, so yep. why maybe, the hell not? Maybe the next one might be to do with Formula One or something down <laughs> those lines. God knows. We're, we're always full of it, aren't we? So, hope everyone has a good rest of the day. Wherever you're listening, and see you next time. Bye. Bye.